It is so great to be with you all tonight to continue our study through Celebrate Recovery. It's been an absolute joy and privilege to work our way through. I guess we've made it through. This is principle two. We did an introduction the very first week, and we did the first principle last week, which we'll do a brief review of what that principle was in a few moments. And tonight we're going to turn to the next principle in our series, which focuses on the hope that Jesus Christ offers all sinners, regardless of your, your hurts, your hangups, your habits, wherever you've been, uh, whoever you are, whatever your background is, you can find hope and abundance in the person and work of Jesus Christ, which we're going to consider tonight during our time together and, of course, in our breakout sessions as well. So let me just begin with a word of prayer, um, and then we'll dive into what we have together during our group time. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to orchestrate this ministry, this Celebrate Recovery that has impacted tens of thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands and millions, Father. And Lord, we are so grateful that we get to be the recipients of the message that we have to consider tonight. The the idea that regardless of our past, regardless of our struggles, regardless of who we are or what we've done, you freely sent Christ into this world to live a perfect life that we owe to you but could not live, to die on the cross, bearing your wrath in our place so that through faith in him, we might become your sons and daughters in him. And because of his resurrection from the grave, the Bible says that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that all of your promises in scripture will come true. So I prayed tonight and in the weeks to come as we work our way through this curriculum that we would cling to those promises and that we would be encouraged by them. For those of us who know you through faith in Christ, that we would be motivated to glorify you wherever you call us and For those who are here tonight who may not know you, Father, wherever they're at in their spiritual journey, I pray that this would be an impactful time for them and that you would use it as a means to bring them to to forgiveness of sins, to saving faith in Christ, and of course, to find that hope that we're going to discuss during our time together tonight. We commit this evening to you and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, as Gordon said, my name is Dewey Doval, and uh, I've been helping out over the past few weeks on Sunday mornings, and of course, I'll be uh, participating in the rotation of Celebrate Recovery over the next, I guess, probably couple months that we're going to be going through the curriculum. So it is an honor to be here with you tonight. I felt that before we dive into the context of, of our lesson tonight, really get into the weeds of what hope's all about, I want to share just a brief testimony about how Christ became my hope at the age of 17 and and how he, over the course of probably three years or so after being saved, how Christ led me to where I am now uh, over the past seven years has resulted in pursuing a a calling and pastoral ministry and also uh, being married to my lovely wife and and our two-month daughter as well, uh, Isabel Ruth. So just a little bit about me. Grew up in a family that identified as Christians, but long story short, the God of our life, the priority of our life was not Christ. It was not the church. It was baseball. It was sports. I was very active in sports growing up. Uh, by God's grace, I excelled in baseball. was able to get several scholarship offers out of high school. had some scouts looking at me as well. Baseball was everything to me. I was a popular kid in school. Seemingly had everything awaiting for me in my future. The world at my fingertips, as it were. But inside within the fabric of my own soul i couldn't have been any more miserable for the first 17 years of my life struggled intensely with pornography 
um, was essentially one kind of person around my family, a completely different kind of person around my friends at school, had terrible language, was living for myself. I had no transcendent meaning or purpose or satisfaction. I essentially felt like I was just going through life in neutral. And at the age of 17 years old, actually during my time uh, on Thanksgiving break at my grandmother's house, I stumbled upon a devotional book. I opened the book up to that day. Just so happened that that day's devotional described everything that I was feeling. And in God's grace, he opened my eyes for the first time to the depths of my sin and the provision of Christ, which would provide me with everything that I needed in order to be forgiven of my sins, in order to have satisfaction in my soul, in order to have purpose in order to, to view myself as something beyond just the, the high school jock, the, the soon-to-be college athlete. And over the next year of my life, uh, as a new believer, started studying the Bible for myself for the first time. Um, got to college, went to a junior college to try to get drafted out of junior college. And during that fall semester, I stumbled upon the Baptist student ministry there at Weatherford College. And uh, in God's providence, I was able to meet the Baptist student ministry director, a man by the name of Mark Nelson. He took me under his wing that year, discipled me. It was during that time that I discerned a desire to enter into ministry. And over the next probably two years, God began to replace all those desires and all those dreams that I had for baseball. He began to replace those dreams and desires with other dreams and desires, dreams and desires to serve the Lord in the local church, particularly in a pastoral capacity, um, and, and really just to throw myself into deeper study of God's Word, which I've been able to do over the past seven years in seminary. So uh, long story short, I know that's, that's a 30,000-foot flyover. My testimony would be more than happy to get into more details um, at, at the end of our time together tonight. I'm going to try to, to do my due diligence to keep us within the the time constraints that we've been operating in. But just know, I'm as much of a, a, a testimony of somebody who has had legitimate addiction problems. My addiction was, was not drugs, alcohol, it was pornography and, and, and a, 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 a background, a past of being just enslaved to that desire. So I can relate to many people who struggle with that or have struggled with that in the past. And if your addiction isn't pornography tonight, but you have another addiction or another struggle that you're battling with, know that you're not alone. Um, I can sympathize with where you're at and with what you're struggling with. And I want to say from firsthand experience that if you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it won't be easy. It won't necessarily be immediate. But over the course of time, Jesus Christ is faithful to transform your life from the inside out, to give you new a new hope, a new desire, a new mission for how you want to live your life, which ultimately will be for his glory and, and for your good as well. So that, that's an introduction to let you know a little bit about me, and also so hopefully you can relate to me in the sense that I, I might be leading the lesson, but I have a, my own past. And even to this day, I have my own struggles as well, even as a believer. So hope, hope that gives you a little bit of an idea of who I am, but let's look now at our handout, Celebrate Recovery Lesson 3, titled Hope. And as we get started, I want to read an excerpt from the booklet. It's page 89 if you have it. But I think this gives us a good context in terms of where we were at last week and where we're going to be going tonight. So let me just read this excerpt and then we'll start working our way through our handout together. So on page 89 of the workbook, it says the following. And the first principle, which is what we covered last week, and the first principle 
We admitted we were powerless. It is through this admission of our powerlessness that we are able to believe and receive God's power to help us recover. We do need to be careful, though, not to just cover the bottomless pit of our hurts, hangups, and habits with layers of denial or to try some quick fix. Instead, we need to keep those hurts exposed to the light so that through God's power, they can truly heal. It's in the second principle, what we're going to be talking about tonight, it's in the second principle of hope that we come to believe God exists, that we recognize that we are important to him, and that we are able to find the one true higher power, which is Jesus Christ. We come to understand that God wants to fill our lives with his love, his joy, and his presence. There are many places in scripture that we can turn to that demonstrates that reality clearly. If you have your Bible, just briefly turn with me to Matthew 11. This is one of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. It really does a beautiful job of capturing what we just read together in that excerpt from our workbook. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. I'll flip in there on my iPhone here, so bear with me. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. This is what Jesus is saying. He's got an audience in front of him. There's believers present. There's unbelievers present. Honestly, it's kind of a reflection of where we may be tonight. We have some believers present. We have some unbelievers present. People of all different walks of life. And here's what he has to say to the crowd. He's speaking to us even now as we read this text together. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I would imagine at least one person in this room tonight can relate to what Jesus is saying in that text. Maybe there's something going on right now in your life where you just feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. Could be a health issue, could be a sin struggle, could be an addiction issue, could be relationship. It could be anything. Somebody, I would be willing to bet, somebody right now is either going through something very, very difficult or knows somebody close to you that's going through something very, very difficult. My friends, Christ, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the second person of the Trinity, the one who came into this world to save sinners like you and me, he says, do you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulder? Do you feel like your struggles and your burdens, your addictions are just too hard to bear? You just, you just can't get rid of them. You can't get victory. You don't know what to do. He says, come to me. He says, I'll take that away from you. Come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you that rest, that soul satisfaction that you crave, but you can't find in the things of this world. I was there for the first 17 years of my life. Seeking after some sort of transcendent meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Sports never gave it to me. The applause of men never gave it to me. Pornography never filled that void. Jesus Christ and Christ alone filled that void and continues to do so today. He can do that for you as well if you would turn to him in faith. So principle two, this idea of hope in our Celebrate Recovery curriculum We find these, notice at the very top of your handout, we find these words and we find a text cited from Christ's Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 4, right below it. Read this aloud with me. Principle two, 
earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. And here's the text from Matthew 5, 4. You read that with me as well. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now think about that. The Bible says, very opening chapter of the Bible, says that you and I, we've been created in God's image. That means you and I have inherent value. Not because um, we're able to obey God perfectly. None of us are able to do that. But God values us as those who've been created in His image. He values us so much that when we did sin, Adam and Eve sinning in the Garden of Eden, and when we do sin in our lives, God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't cast us to the side. He didn't start over. No, He, he sought a way to fix our problem, to heal us to reconcile us to himself. And as we see from our principle tonight, when we come to recognize that we matter to God, that God exists, that he has the power to help us become who he's created us to be, it changes everything. It changes your mentality, and in turn, when your mentality changes, it begins to change your, your actions, your lifestyle. And we see from Christ this promise, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, at surface level reading, that seems a little bit strange, Happy are those who mourn. What is he talking about? Well, the idea is when you come to a recognition that you have problems, that you don't have hope in and of yourself, when you come to that recognition, when you're, as it were, mourning over your hopelessness, God promises in Christ to comfort you. When you get to that point of no return, I can do nothing on my own to fix my situation. I need Christ. I need help. That's when God can do a work in you. And I pray that as we go through tonight's lesson and as we go through this whole um, series, Celebrate Recovery, my prayer is that we would all be honest with ourselves. We all have, as Gordon said by way of introduction, we all have something we're dealing with, whether it be past regrets, present difficulties, and in the future, if you're not going through anything right now, you're going to have something in the future. It's been well said, you're either... Leaving a trial, you're in a trial, or you're going into a trial. So it's like an endless cycle. We talked about um, Hinduism this morning, how there's that endless cycle, it seems, of reincarnation. It's kind of that way with trials. You're either leaving a trial, you're in a trial, or you're going into one in the future. So this is all good for us, regardless of where you're at tonight. Really good stuff for us. Look at these scriptures that are provided on our handout. Uh, Step two, we'll read that together, and we'll look at these scriptures. I think this is um, very powerful for us to consider. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. That's our goal tonight. A power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. That higher power is Jesus, right? Look at these texts that testify to that. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians 2.13. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11, 6. So so look at those precious promises. Again, we, we saw the Matthew text. Look at this. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose, to, to his good purpose. Do you understand that through Christ, you're not alone anymore? You're not left in your own strength to fight addiction, to fight hardships, to clean your life up. This this passage is promising you that God, he's going to work in and through you. 
as a believer, to begin to progressively attain victory. Again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I said this earlier. It doesn't always happen overnight. Sometimes it's a dogfight. It's hard. How many of you guys have read Romans 7 before? No, I mean, if you haven't, that's okay. But if you've read Romans 7, you have the Apostle Paul. He's largely regarded as maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived. Okay? Incredible missionary, heart for God. Um, funny story, he would probably do well in a class like this because he was putting Christians to death because, before he became a believer. So, so Paul, he goes from literally putting Christians to death to maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived. And here's the thing about Paul. Romans 7, 14 to 25. Paul, in a nutshell, is saying this. I struggle every single day against sin. I have hurts, hang-ups, and habits, even as the Apostle Paul. My friends, if that can be said about Paul, how much more would that be said about mere mortals like you and me, right? But here's the good news. We have those struggles. We're going to fight against the world and against sin, but we're not alone in the fight. God will work in us and through us, as it says in Philippians 2.13, to will and act according to his good purpose. In other words, he will begin to make you exactly into the man or woman he's called you to be. You need only believe in Jesus. Let him work his power in and through you. And then, of course, Hebrews 11.6, another wonderful promise in that text. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. So what do I got to do to have hope? Well, I've got to believe in God, starting point. And then, if I've truly believed in God, if I've truly accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, God will reward those who earnestly seek Him. Now, that, that can be temporal blessings. Uh, the Bible promises, Matthew 5, 44 and following, God, he, he causes His reign to fall on both the just and the unjust. Matthew 6 talks about the fact that that God clothes the lilies of the field. He provides for all of the needs of his creation. So it is true. The believer, they will have their needs met in this life. They may not be rich. They may not be prosperous by worldly standards. But if you seek God, his kingdom, his righteousness, you will have all of your temporal needs uh, met in this life. But here's the main thrust of that verse. If you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will have, in the words of Paul in Ephesians 1.3, you'll have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You will be, as it were, royalty for eternity future because you will be an adopted son or daughter in Christ. How's that for a hope? How's that for a future? And, the, you know, I, I don't know why anybody would not just throw themselves upon the grace of God and the mercy of God. But the reality is, if we're honest with ourselves, the reason why people don't believe is because it's hard. We have a tendency to hold on to our sin, to hold on to our hangups, our hurts, our habits. It can be difficult to let those things go. But know this, Christ says, come to me. Come to me. Let those things go. Embrace me as your Lord and Savior. I will give you rest. I will remove the weight of the world from your shoulders. Well, let's look at this acronym for hope. And um, of course, after doing so, we'll, we'll move into our time of group discussion or, or breakout session. Num uh, letter H, first blank, higher power. That's, that's what the blank is. It's higher power. And feel free to read aloud with me what comes after that. Jesus desires a hands-on, day-to-day, moment-to-moment relationship with us. He can do for us what we have never been able to do 
for ourselves. I made this note in my handout just briefly. Many people believe sometimes that Christianity is it's, it's kind of a list of do's and don'ts. It, it's an external ritualistic system of religion. That, that sometimes can be what people believe about Christianity. But my friends, the Bible reveals it's quite the opposite. God desires the heart. He desires a love for him and a devotion to him from the heart. And Jesus, he's the source that fuels that love and that devotion for him. So that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he will start to literally fuel your fire for God. He will kindle your affections for God. He will allow you to have a personal, intimate, and saving relationship with the one who created you in his own image. That's what we mean by higher power and having a relationship with him. Look at the, look at the text included as well in your handout. Everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power. Romans eleven thirty six. My grace is enough for you. For where there is weakness, my power is shown the more completely. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So, every breath you take, every provision that you receive in this life, food, shelter, job, clothing, relationships, all that comes from the hand of a gracious and merciful and kind God. And he says, his grace, his sustaining and upholding of your life It is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. When you're struggling in this life, you come to faith in Christ, but you have difficulties, you have trials, you have addictions, you have hurts, hangups, and habits. God says His grace will be made perfect as you labor and as you wrestle with those struggles. And you can have hope in the midst of the battle because Christ dwells in you and because you belong to the kingdom of God. What a, what a great promise. What a precious promise that is for believers to consider. Look at letter O now. Moving on here in our handout. Letter O. Openness to change. Openness to change. And it says this in the handout. With God's help, we need to be open to allow those trials to change us, to make us better, not bitter. And let's read the text below it. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. Yes, you must be a new and different person. Ephesians 4.23 Now I highlighted another excerpt here in the workbook. It's from page 91. And this really, I think, captures well what it means to be open to change. I thought the, the author of this curriculum did a really good job of summarizing what he means by this particular point in the outline. Listen to what he writes. He says, hope is openness to change. Sometimes we are afraid to change, even if our past was painful. We resist change because of our fear of the unknown or in our despair, we just think we don't deserve anything better. Here's the good news. Hope opens doors where despair closes them. Hope discovers what can be done instead of grumbling about what can't be done. Throughout your life, you will continue to encounter hurts and trials that you are powerless to change. But with God's help, you can be open to allow those circumstances and situations to change you, to make you better and not bitter. How many of you guys have heard it said before, maybe at church, 
uh, maybe in a meeting like this or maybe just in your own relationship with friends, family members, uh, coworkers, whoever the person may be, whatever the circumstances might be. How many of you guys have heard someone say something like this? Well, if you only knew, if you only knew how bad I am, if you only knew about the mistakes I've made, if you only knew how entrenched I am in this lifestyle, in this addiction, in this circumstance that, that's just frankly not very good, how could God ever love me? How could God ever do something for someone as bad as me? Well, let me turn that on its head. When viewed in light of the holiness of God, the moral perfection of God, even our best is like filthy rags. So people who have said that before are on the right track. We can't do anything to make ourselves worthy or deserving before God. But that's why grace is so rich. That's why mercy is so lavish. That's why Christ is so beautiful. Because what we cannot meet in terms of God's standard, Jesus Christ supplies infinitely more so. Jesus supplies to us what God requires of us. He meets God's demands in full. And if we're willing to surrender our life to him by faith, he will make us into a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.20 um, uh, one of my, actually, 2 Corinthians 5.17, rather, one of my favorite texts about how um, God, through faith in Jesus Christ, God will make us into a new creature. It's the power of the gospel. That is hope that we can live for and cling to. Well, letter P, letter P in the outline, power to change. Power to change. And it says this, In the past, we could not free ourselves from our hurts, hang-ups, or habits. In principle two, we come to understand that God's power can change us and our situation. And read these texts below it with me as well, please. For I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Jesus Christ, who gives me the strength and the power. Philippians 4.13 Lead me, teach me, for you are the God who gives me salvation. I have no hope except in you. Psalm 25.5 now, Philippians 4.13, if you like sports like me, I'm a big sports guy. How many of you guys have seen that verse written underneath somebody's eye on their eye black or on their wristband or you see it quoted on bumper stickers or coffee mugs? or you know, it's, it's a very popular verse, right? It's a great verse, but a lot of times people misunderstand it. Philippians 4.13 is not promising you that you'll be able to win the big game for Jesus. You'll be able to get that new job for Jesus. You'll be able to have health, wealth, prosperity, and easy, smooth sailing living for Jesus. It's not what the text is saying. In context, Paul writes that verse. He's in prison. He has suffered incredible hardship for his faith up to this point. 2 Corinthians was written probably about five to seven years before Philippians was written. And in 2 Corinthians, he outlines all these really insane trials that he went through. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been persecuted for his faith. And you know what Paul says here in Philippians 4.13? He says, whatever God calls me to do, in any circumstance, he says in a couple of verses before in Philippians 4, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, in plenty and in want, I have learned the secret of being content in this life. I have a hope that goes far beyond anything in this world because I know this in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that Jesus Christ, my hope, my anchor, the foundation of my life, He will allow me to endure whatever He calls me to in this life. 
It's that 2 Corinthians 12, 9 principle. His grace is sufficient for me. No, life's not going to be easy. No, I'm not going to be victorious on day one of fighting my habits, hangups, and hurts in this life. But you know what? In time, by the grace of God, as we study His Word, as we come together with other believers, as we commit ourselves to love and good deeds and to repent from sin that manifests itself in our life, Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you can do all things through Christ. He will strengthen you. He will change your life. And He will make you into a new creature so that in glory, in eternity future, you might come to know Him and enjoy Him as His adopted child. Well, letter E, expect to change. Expect to change. Notice what it says next to it. With God's help... The changes you have longed for are just steps away. And then the scripture. I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you to grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Philippians 1.6. Now don't misunderstand what the curriculum is saying. When it, when it says expect to change, this isn't an arrogance. This isn't presumption. This is a confidence that's rooted not in ourselves, but in the character and power of God. Because God is so powerful, because he's so trustworthy, because he's so faithful to his word. Paul can say, Philippians 1.6, he can say that when God starts a work in somebody, when you trust in Jesus Christ, when you become a believer, God will bring that work to completion. He always finishes what he starts. If you're here tonight... And you've not trusted in Jesus Christ. My friend, you're not at the starting line yet, but you can be. You can go to that starting line, step out in faith, trust in Christ, and watch how the one who always finishes what he starts transforms you, gives you hope, gives you satisfaction in the midst of your hurts, hangups, and habits. My appeal to all of you tonight is right here at the bottom of this page. How do we find hope? By trusting in our higher power, Jesus Christ. And the very bottom, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Before we break out into our small group time, let me ask you, what are you currently hoping in? What is your hope tonight? Where do you go for satisfaction and fulfillment? Is it Jesus? Are you trusting in him? Are you resting in him tonight? Or is it something else? Addiction, relationship, job, popularity, ease of life. I mean, we all have something that we go to naturally for comfort, for fulfillment, for joy. My appeal to you is that if you haven't turned to Christ, go to him in faith. Watch how he's faithful to begin a good work in you and bring it to completion when he calls you home or when he returns. Thank you so much for listening to our main message tonight. At this time, uh, the women can break out into their small group. Men will stay here in the sanctuary like we've done the past couple weeks. And let me just say this uh, really quickly before we totally break out. Be vulnerable. Don't be ashamed. 
Open up with one another. Encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 23, 25 talks about meeting together, stimulating one another to love and good deeds. This is when God can really minister to us, break down our walls, and begin that process of transformation. So that would be my appeal as we break into our small groups. Thank you so much. Let's, let's dismiss and we'll get started with our next session.